So I start off to bring a word of encouragement. And now, when I get done today, I don't know if any of us are going to make it to heaven. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing. Amen. <laughs> so we're going to have a good time today. And uh, I'm excited about what the Lord has to say to us this morning. And so it's, it's an exciting, exciting time. My new pastor's schedule was crazy this week once we got back from, from Gateway and and uh, he also has has family in, and it's good for for uh, for us to spend time with family. Amen. Even Neil, it's good to spend time with Neil. And so <laughs> we're we're honored to have them with us today. And so welcome. Uh, I'm I'm going to be preaching today, and it, it's just a message. I just I I didn't know what to call it, and so I just called it this. Kevin can throw it up there at some point. It's just truish. Truish, and, and so I want you to hang with me on this as we walk through this. I want to start in the book of Psalm, chapter 97. There's a verse there that says this. It says, may all who are godly be happy. May all who are godly be happy. And this is really great news because we serve, we serve such a good and loving God. Amen? Amen? We serve a God who has plans to prosper us, plans to bless us, plans for a hope and a future. God wants us to enjoy our life. And the bottom line is that God wants us happy. Yeah. Ah. Oh, let's pause. And let's step back and let's regroup. Because what I said is just absolutely truish. Truish. I've already told Pastor. He, he knows all about the setup. It's truish. It sounds true. It feels true. There's a lot of truth to it, but it's not completely true. And if we were to be taken just ever so slightly away from the truth over a lifetime, we will travel a false road that takes us to the wrong place. Today, if I was to head toward the smack dab center of ceiling, and you were to point me in the direction, the coordinates in which I could walk a straight line to the smack dab center of ceiling, if I was to just ever so slightly, just, 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 just one inch, veer to the left or to the right, just an inch, just a half an inch, then by the time I got to ceiling, I'd be totally off course. And I would not be in the smack dab center of ceiling. I'd be somewhere totally different, in the smack dab center of somewhere different. And, and so this is what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to get us into this truish feeling. This, this thing that feels true. And if we can just, 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 just move just, just a little bit off course, just a hair, then our destiny is altered because we never reach it because we have forever. Come on, somebody. And so I, I want to talk to us about this. What is true about what I just told you? What's true that God loves you? It's true that God wants good things for you. It's true that God wants to bless you. It's true that God wants to prosper you. It's true that God has great plans for you. But when we start living under the truth that the bottom line is our happiness, it radically changes our position in God. Because as we look at Scripture, God is God. And we have been created to serve and to admire and to love and to adore a holy living God. That statement is true, and it's true-ish that God wants us happy, 
But if we reverse the roles, if, if, if the happiness of our life becomes the bottom line, then what we do, we reverse the roles. God is no longer here for us to serve him, but God is here for him to serve us. Because the bottom line is not about him. The bottom line becomes our happiness. Does this make any sense at all? I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere, if you'll hang with me. And so one day when we're not happy, it leaves us with this logical conclusion. If you're taking notes, if God wants me happy and I'm not, then God failed. God failed. Which is what so many people across America and across this world believe today. Well, I went to church, I tried the God thing, it didn't make me happy. It's either God's not real or God didn't live up to what he said he would do. Mm -hmm. You turn on any talk show, you're going to hear how you should be happy. You go to any bookstore. I went to Amazon.com this week, and I plugged in some things, and you will find the word happy in 12,635 book titles on Amazon and Amazon alone. Because the bottom line is that we want to be happy, and without even knowing it, we will bow down and worship this false god of happiness. It seems right. It feels right. But Proverbs 14, verse 12, the Bible says, there is a way that seems right to man. But the end thereof leads to death. And what I want to do is I want to show you how this pursuit or this theology of happiness can lead us down a very dangerous and slippery slope. So let's walk through this and let's absorb what happens when we believe that our happiness is the bottom line. If you're taking notes, number one, without a belief, without an absolute truth, then truth is defined by whatever makes me happy. Because we live in a world today where there is really two big oppositional thoughts to God. There's relativism and there's subjectivism. Relativism and subjectivism. Well, what, what, what are these? Well, relativism, and you heard a lot about this over the last couple of weeks. Oh, I'm not even going to go there, but you know what I'm talking about. It is a belief in which there is no such thing as an absolute truth. This is relativism. That truth is not constant. That truth evolves. And what used to be wrong yesterday is not necessarily wrong today. And what may have been right yesterday is not necessarily right today. There is no such thing as absolute truth. That truth is relative. And then there's subjectivism. And subjectivism is the belief that I am the subject. And I have the right to to determine what is wrong and what is right in my life without submitting my judgment to any authority outside myself. Since there is no absolute truth, there's no authority outside of myself, then true is what is true to me. And I'm not going to submit myself to your truth, and don't you try to impose your truth on me. Oh, we've heard a lot about this. On, on social media, over the last couple of weeks, you have seen this hashtag, my truth. This is my truth. And, then, and this, this just boils my blood. That, well, this, this is my truth. No, there's one truth. <laughs> there's the truth. And, and then, you know, there's this and there's this, but there's one truth. And there, there's, there's, there's just one truth. 
Well, this, this is my, no, there's not my truth, there's not your truth, there's not his truth, there's not her truth, there's not our truth, there's not third truth, there's not word truth, there's one truth. And so truth is not subject to, 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 to you or to me, there, there's, there's one truth. And the word of God says that the word of God is true. Come on. It's true. Well, I know that's what the word of God says, but it just doesn't line up with what I feel. So, it's all, you know, oh, come on, somebody. So, without an absolute truth, truth is defined by whatever makes me happy. Happy, happy, happy. Which leads us to this next belief, that where there is, the bottom line is my happiness Happiness becomes the standard by which I judge my actions. If the bottom line is happiness, then happiness becomes the standard by which I judge my action. If my wife is not making me happy, but then there's a girl over here at work who makes me happy, then I'm justified to pursue this over here because I'm not happy over here. And we read in Psalm, God wants us happy. Come on, somebody. Oh, I'm preaching real better than you're shouting. I believe that more money, that more things will make me happy. And then however I choose to pursue those more money and more things is not wrong because the bottom line is my happiness. Happiness allows me to justify whatever I do because happiness is the bottom line, which leads me to believe that whatever makes me happy must be right since there's no such thing as absolute truth. Cheryl Crow even sang a song about it. She said, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. I would sing the song for you, but you wouldn't be happy. And therefore, it would be that bad. (laughs) If it makes me happy, it must be right, which leads me to believe since God wants me happy, anything that doesn't make me happy must be bad, which leads me to believe that any type of discomfort or any type of delay or any type of risk or any type of suffering or any type of inconvenience or any type of obstacle can't possibly be God's will because God wants me happy. And before long, as I walk down this trail that seems right, that feels right, that's true-ish, in the pursuit of happiness, without even knowing it, I begin to worship the false god of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. Why? Because true-ish statements like this, God wants me happy. Oh, come on. And what I, that, That's just introduction right there. That's just all, in a, that's free. What I want to do today is I want to take a step back. And I want to make a very bold and very countercultural statement. And this goes against really what many have been taught and led to believe. And we've just absorbed this in our truish culture, philosophy throughout life. And I'm going to tell you that God doesn't want you happy. <laughs> I'm glad you voted on pastor a couple weeks ago and not me. God doesn't want you happy doesn't want you happy in at least two different areas in your life he doesn't want you happy in two different categories hang with me it gets good the first category is if you're taking notes God doesn't want you happy when you're doing something wrong or unwise God doesn't want you happy I'll give an example years ago Jetty is probably five or six years old we went to Haleyville First Assembly, the church I grew up in, church I was raised in. 
and I was preaching for them one Sunday morning. And J.D., he was really, he may have even been four or five, I don't know, but he was young. And after church, he wants to go outside. There was a few other kids there, and he wanted to go outside and play with the other kids. But I grew up in this church, and I knew the drivers in this church. Where they wanted to play was out in the parking lot. And I'd seen the drivers in this church. And I, knew, I told him, no, J.D., you can't go out there. And I knew there were a couple of ladies in their 80s <laughs> who didn't look. I experienced it for myself. They didn't look. And I told them, I said, you, you, you can't go out there because they will run over you and not a think a thing about it. Right? And so we get to talking, and J.D. wanders off. And before long, he's in the parking lot. And I'm standing at the front door of the church entrance, and I see him. And he's right behind a golden Ford Taurus. A lady by name, well, I ain't going to give her name in case she's listening. But I see him just a few feet behind this golden Ford Taurus. And I'm watching real close, and all of a sudden, I see the brake lights come on. And you know when the car starts and the brake lights come on, the car is about to be in motion. And so I dart out the door, and I sprint behind that car, and I grab him up. And as I grab him up, I kind of stumble. And as I stumble, the, the, the back of her car actually kind of hits my thigh. And, and, you know, and, I, and he's out of the way, and I'm out. You know, it's like a super dad moment, like dun-dun-dun-dun, right? You know, and that's about how fast I run right there, too. And so... I grab him, you know, and, and so now we're out of the way. We're out of harm's way. And she stopped and everything was okay. But if J.D. would have just heeded my voice to begin with, we wouldn't have been in that situation. But as a kid, he wanted to go out. He wanted to play. He wanted to be what? Happy. Hmm. It shows what so many of us do. So many people across our nation, they go through life and we, this is fun. And we, this is exciting. And we, 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 all the way home, right? This makes me happy. And then, boom, there is a way that seems right. It seems right. But in the end, it leads to death. God doesn't want you happy when you're doing something wrong. When something is against his word. And I believe wholeheartedly that God delights when we enjoy things within his will. But when we step out of his will to pursue happiness, that's never God's best. And in and, and Scripture, it's very, very clear. 1 Peter chapter 1.15, it says, But just as he who called you is happy, so be happy in all you do. No, it doesn't say that. It says, Just as he who has called you is holy, be holy in all you do. Happiness doesn't trump holiness. This is good preaching. And I believe wholeheartedly that God wants us to delight in things within his will. I had a conversation years ago with, with a friend of mine, and honestly, it was about the four millionth conversation I've had like this. And, and I, I, I did his wedding, we did premarital counseling, we did all this, and a few years later I bumped into him and I just, hey, how's, how are things going? How's the wife? How's the kids? I heard, heard you had a couple of kids. How's your wife? How's your kids? And he just kind of hung his head, and you tell he's a little bit embarrassed. And I said, what, what's up? And he said, well, we, we, we divorced. And I said, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. And my heart just sank because divorce is painful. And the people who are here this morning who have walked through that will be the first to stand and tell you it's painful. It's painful. 
And I said, well, I don't want to pry, but, you know, what, what happened? What, 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 what went wrong? And he said, I'm going to be honest with you, preacher. She just didn't make me happy anymore. I just wasn't happy. I wasn't happy in the relationship. And I thought, man, I've heard this a billion times. I've heard this a billion times. It doesn't make me happy. And, it, you know, it just went wrong. It doesn't make me happy because God wants me happy. And so I have the, uh, come on, somebody. You know, we went to a store. We're shopping online. We discovered something that we need. You know what I'm talking about. We didn't even know we needed it until we saw it. And then we're like, I don't know how I've lived without that. How many of you ever experienced it? I've lived 38 years on this earth, and I've never had that kitchen utensil in my kitchen. I've never had, come on, somebody. I've never had that in my driveway. I've never had that in my garage. I never had tickets to that. I, how have I lived, <laughs> you know? And so we will put it, come on, we'll, we, we, we will go in debt with, with things that we don't even need until we've seen them. And then we're like, I need that. But we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. And we go into financial bondage. <laughs> this is great preaching. And we, but just to get this thing we just saw that we need, that we, how do I live without this? So even though we don't have more money, we go into more debt to get the thing we just discovered that we needed that we just now saw. Or could it be that we're dating someone? And in that dating, you're like, I, I know I heard something in church about how you're not supposed to have sex until you're married. Oh, I know this is popular today. You know, I know the preacher said something about that, but I know the Bible says something about that. Man, that was the old days. You know, America is so progressive. You know, come on, somebody. God's got to understand. I mean, like, man, I'm a dude. I got needs. Right? You need to get on your knees and pray. It's what you need. But I'm a dude. I got needs. It makes me feel good. It makes me happy. I know I shouldn't probably be doing this, but hey, we're going to get married anyway. The bottom line is my happiness. Come on, somebody. You're leaving me here to dry. It could happen in someone's marriage. She's not meeting my needs. He's not meeting my needs. They're not making me happy. This other guy, this other girl, they will. And we look at stuff, and we know we should. And then maybe we go to a computer, we look at things we know we shouldn't because we think, man, this stuff is going to make me happy. They're not meeting my needs. And so I feel justified. I feel justified in doing this because my happiness, I'm not happy, and God wants me happy. I, we, we hear it not only in our culture, we hear it in the church. makes me happy and if it makes me happy it gives me permission to do something that's otherwise wrong and God says no that's not what it is about God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to step outside of his word and outside of his will I was walking in Walmart a few years back when we lived in Enid I was at the front of the store and there was crab dip how many of you ever had crab dip Let's get back on food, something we can all agree with, because I know I can, I can feel it. <laughs> so there was crab dip at the front of Walmart, and they had this big old sale rack, and it was crab dip, and it's three ninety nine. You know that's good stuff. And so I know I'd been to restaurants before, and crab dip, when you ordered crab dip, it was not three ninety nine; It was more like thirteen ninety nine for a little cup. Well, this crab dip was a big deal, a big like, butter tub. 
for $3.99. I thought, man, I have hit the jackpot. And so I bought that crab dip, and I took it home, and me and J.D. and Jaxie and Jenny were in our house over at Enid, and we got out some food, and we began to eat this crab dip. And I remember walking in, and Jenny and the kids, they were looking at me like, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever had in my life. I thought, man, it's crab dip. It can't be nasty. It's crab dip. It's three ninety nine. It was on sale. It's crab dip. And I began reading the fine print, and here's what the fine print said. It said, made with imitation crab meat, which is one of the scariest things I've ever read in my life. Do you know what that means? <laughs> Neither do I. What that means is we have no idea. This is baloney from the sea. That's what this is. It's an imitation. It wasn't the real thing. And to think that the things of this world are going to make you happy, you are settling for a cheap imitation of the real thing. God does not want us happy when it causes us to go outside of his word and outside of his will. God doesn't want you happy. Number two, I love this. Aren't y'all glad you come to church on Sunday morning? (laughs) It's raining outside. Why didn't I just stay under the sheets? God doesn't want you happy. Look at your neighbor and say, he doesn't want you happy. He doesn't want you happy. He wants you something better. He wants you blessed. (laughs) I set you up. You were all mad at me, and now you're like, oh, now we can be friends. He doesn't want you happy. He wants you blessed. God wants you blessed. In fact, the original word here in the original language translated blessed is the word makarius, M-A-C-A-R-I-U-S, makarius. And this is how this word could be translated, supremely blessed, or some translators translated this, more than happy. (laughs) God doesn't want you happy. He wants you more than happy. He wants you blessed. And here's the deal. Happiness is based upon happenings. Happiness is based on what's happening in my life. And how many know happenings aren't always good? Happenings aren't always, but blessings are based on something other than happenings. Blessings are based on something beyond the things of this world. The happenings may not be good, but I can walk in the blessing of God knowing although I just lost my job, although this relationship is going south, God, you are Jehovah Jireh. You will provide. You will redeem. You will restore. You will bring us back together. You will do what you said your word says you'll do because you're a God who does not lie. I'm not happy. You're not happy. We're blessed. We're better than happy. We're more than happy. In fact, I like what the scripture says in Psalm 112. Blessed is a man more than happy is the one who walks in fear of the Lord. Not more than happy is the one who does something wrong in pursuit of happiness. Not more than happy is the one who sells for the cheap imitation of the world. But more than happy is the one who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his command, more than happy. Max Lucado, I remember reading a book that he wrote, and he asked this question. He said, would a fish be happy on the beach? I'm setting y'all up real good. And the answer is no. Now imagine this unhappy fish. Imagine if he wanted what we wanted. We're like, all right, fish, you're unhappy on the beach. I'm going to bring you a big load of money and sit right down beside you here, Charlie Tuna. Now are you happy? Answer is no. Well, fishy, we're going to give you a big fishy vacation. Now are you happy? 
No. Well, here's a beach. Here's a lawn chair. Here's some sunglasses. Go enjoy that beach, that vacation. Are, are you happy? No, I'm not happy. Let's, ima- let's imagine we give him a beer and a Playfish magazine. Come on, that was funny. That was funny. You all, you <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some of y'all, I don't know what he's talking about, dear. I have no idea. Let's, let's give him that. Is, is he happy now? The answer is no. Why is he not happy? Easy. He wasn't made for the beach. He wasn't made for the beach. Why is it that we are not happy when we pursue things of this world? Because we were never made to find happiness in the things of this world. We are not made for this world. We are made for something different. We're made for something bigger. We're made for something better. We're made for something greater. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. We've been made for the delight in our Father, in a place called eternity, in a place called heaven. That's where we've been made for. And so we will never, yeah, come on, put your hands together. And that's why you will never find happiness pursuing things on this planet. At the beginning of the message, I'm closing. Everybody said? Yeah. Amen, the Hebrew means, shut up, son. (laughs) At the beginning of the message, I gave you a verse. And I used it purposefully in a deceiving way. <laughs> I didn't tell you all the verse. Because if you look at the whole verse, where we start and where we ended, Psalm 97, 12, may all who are godly be happy. And that's what we read. That's not the verse in its entirety. May all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise his holy name. Oh, come on. Under the banner of relativism and subjectivism, many people believe that happiness is the bottom line. That's a truish belief, but it'll take you away from the true joy and the true blessing you find in the Lord. May all who are godly be happy in the Lord. In the Lord. In the Lord. And praise his holy name. My happiness doesn't come from anything on this world. My happiness comes from the God who spoke this world into existence. And when my life is lined up with him, I find happiness in him, but I find something even greater. I find joy. I find something more than happiness. I find blessing. And I just want to encourage you this morning. And this this may not speak to anyone in this house, but it speaks to people that you know. You, everyone in this house might be going good but you know there are people in your life that they're down this road of searching after happiness if I just get this if I could just get that job if I could just get that business if I could just land that career if I could just open up this if I could just do that if I could just get rid of her and be with her come on somebody we're talking real and again we may not be hitting anyone here but you, you know we're, we're, we're hitting if I could just get a raise, if I could just do this, if I could just do that, if I could just go here, if I could just move to that house, if I could just find that car, if I could just get on that beach and live like that fish, you will find happiness isn't there. It's not there. Because you weren't made for it. 
You were made for something better. You were made for blessing. To be blessed and to be a blessing. You were made for something greater. Stop pursuing the happiness of this world. And get in line with his word and his will. And become more than happy. Become fulfilled. Become purposeful in the things that you do. You weren't made for this place. That's why this place will never satisfy you until we lay eyes on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That day, we will experience happiness in its entirety. Today, we strive on and we are more than blessed, more than happy. We're blessed. We're blessed. Stand your feet with me this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I pray this morning that you would just clean us out of these beliefs that honestly they're so easy to embrace. They're so easy to embrace. And I'm not going to sit up here and act all holy, God, in, in my life. There's been seasons in my life I have embraced these theologies myself. And I have found that they have left me wanting. They have left me hungrier. They have left me thirstier. They have left me drier. They didn't leave me fulfilled. God, it's in your presence that I've been fulfilled. So, Father, I ask that you just do a work in our heart and in our life this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you a twofold question. I just want you to ask yourself this question. Maybe there's someone in here, maybe there's several in here, I don't know, this is between you and the Lord. But you have justified a lifestyle. You have justified actions in your life with that thought in pursuit of happiness. I'm pursuing happiness. And so in that thought, in that pursuit, we've let things slip, we've let things slide, we haven't lived up, I guess the word would be to the standard of the word of God. Because we want to be happy. If that's you this morning, I'm just going to ask you to be real and be bold and we're not going to call you out, not going to embarrass you, but I just want you to acknowledge that to the Lord. Pastor Jared, that's me. No one's looking around. That's me. I've let some things slide in pursuit of my happiness, my family's happiness, my career happiness, marital happiness, financial happiness, relational happiness, whatever it might be. If that's you, will you slip your hand up right now? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Several hands going up. Yeah, thank you. 
and you're here this morning. Question number two, and someone that you are close to is in that boat. They're justifying things that they are doing in that pursuit of happiness. I know God says not to do that, but I'm happy. And I think that's where he wants me to be. He wants me to be happy. Maybe you've even heard him say those words, word for word. But there's someone close to you, and you just want to be an intercessor for them right now. Living that life, will you slip your hand up right now? Yeah, yeah, hands up all across this place. Father, right now, Lord, we come before you and ask Holy Spirit to do a work in people's heart and in people's life this morning. Speak to hearts and lives in the only way that you can. And God will give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' mighty name. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, you raise your hand. I just want to lead you in a prayer this morning. You slip that hand up and you say, there's things in my life right now just not right. They're just not right. And I know it's a hard message. It's a tough message. It's a message I wish I would have heard a long time ago. It would have saved me some pain and some hurt in my life. But I'd rather be confronted with it today than confronted with it on eternity I'd rather be confronted with it right now where I can get back on course. Where I can say, hey, this, this isn't the path. I've strayed, even if an inch, I've strayed. I said, God, set me back up on course. Set me back up on the path and get me in right. Let my ways be right. Let my actions be right. Let my motives be right. So this morning... You raise your hand. I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Today I've placed before you life and death. Today I've placed before you wrong and right. And today I've placed before you the blessed life and the life that is cursed outside my will. Today is the day that you let your voice be heard. Today is the day in which you choose. Today is the day in which you walk. And today is the day 
in which your faith becomes undivided in me. Choose life. Choose me. Choose truth. And today, choose my grace. I will give grace, grace to you. I will send mercy to you. And I will let you walk in my love the days of your life. This day, choose life. Choose me. And let it be forever done, says the Lord God of hosts. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not familiar with the gifts of the Spirit, the operation of the gifts of the Spirit, the church. What you've just heard is a, a message of tongues given through the unction of the Holy Spirit through a brother in our fellowship. And what you have heard is the interpretation of that tongue through the unction of the Holy Spirit. What that means is God's trying to say something to us today. This isn't just a normal Sunday. I, I don't want a normal Sunday anymore. I want a, a divine encounter with him. And this morning, I, I know this is kind of not the norm. But here, here's what I want to ask us to do. In a few moments, we're going to come and we're going to partake of communion. But before we do that, especially you who raised your hand. You said, man, I'm just not traveling that right path right now. I'm going to invite us all, every one of us. If, 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 if physically you can't, we understand. Just stay right where you're at and pray. But I want to open up these altars. And more importantly, God wants to meet you at these altars this morning. And I'm going to invite everyone in this place to come spend a few moments around the front, around these altars. Make these altars your place of prayer. Make these pews your place of prayer. If, if, if you can't get up and you, you just don't feel like you got the strength to come forward, just sit right where you're at and make that your place of prayer. But before we go into communion, remembering what he did for us, remembering the sacrifice that he made, let's come spend a few moments with him today. I'm going to invite you all. Come. Come. Come.